0: Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Thanks for coming. It's good to be together. I I was telling Ryan, I actually didn't go anywhere. This is what happens when you pray a lot. You know, you just... I was going to wear a bag, but I thought, you know what, whatever, I'll just put it out there. I was talking with a friend of mine uh, this last week who's also a communicator. And um, we were talking about the power of story the power of story as a medium to communicate it's absolutely incredible how much you can communicate just through a story Um, the scriptures from beginning to end are simply story uh, about the the human beings doing life and, and God interacting with them it's just one story after another after another after another and, um, and, and there's, there's, it's important because in, in the scriptures too, you have these stories about invisible people who have extraordinary faith and courage. We, we've been trained in our culture to, to look at the public people, to focus on the person on the stage. And in the scriptures for sure, there, there, there are the Joshua's and the Joseph's. And the Davids, oh David, he kills a lion, he kills a bear, he kills a giant, all the while playing a harp and writing worship music. Like, I mean, that's a little tough to follow, right? I mean, we love the Davids and the Josephs, and, but, but I don't know how to connect with that. We live with so much anonymity in our lives. It's, it's, it's the, 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 the seemingly invisible people in the scriptures That when they exert faith and courage and God uses them, that's the stuff that I I can relate to. And so this evening, I want to introduce you to an invisible hero. We find him in um, John chapter 6. I'm going to read you the first 12 verses of this chapter. And we'll go from there. Sometime after this... Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs that he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples, the Jewish Passover festival was near, which is actually one of the reasons there were so many people there that day. And when Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he, had, he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, he said, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five loaves, barley loaves, and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated. As much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces of leftover, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. One of the first things I noticed when I was reading through this very, very familiar passage. Is that Jesus is never ever really caught off guard by people's needs. He's never intimidated by the size of a need. So if it's it's, it's a healing a woman with an issue of blood, or raising a centurion's child from the dead, or feeding thousands, it doesn't and that doesn't get to him. Nor does it surprise him. You know the one thing that does surprise Jesus throughout the New Testament. The thing that actually puts him back, it's when people don't have faith. He just doesn't understand that. The Bible records that there were about 5,000 men. Now, this this was written by uh, John, who is living in the first century. And so he mentions only men because that's a cultural context, okay? But where there are men, there are women, and where there are women, there are more certainly babies, and there are those who, who um, they speculate basically that there were somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand people sitting on the grass that day. And I know the story is familiar to so many of you, but what I want you to see is, off the side of this narrative, there is this nameless child, this, this anonymous child. Thousands of people need food and Jesus just needs something to work with, anything. And it's the child who brings him that something. It's the child who surrenders his lunch to Jesus. Now listen to me. God loves to call the under-resourced. Is there anybody in the room that's under-resourced right about now? He loves to, he, he does it again and again and again. He calls the under-resourced. Because the story isn't really about resources. The story is really about the focus of trust. That's what he was trying to locate And Philip, when he asked them the question, the the, the focus of his trust. You see, Philip should have known better. Because prior to this crisis, prior to this this incredible need, the disciples had watched Jesus do some very cool miracles. Some of them that look kind of like this. One one day they, they were at a wedding and there was a lot of people. But not a lot of wine. And so Jesus multiplied the wine. Another day they were, the the, the disciples, many of whom are professional fishermen, were out fishing. And they fished all night and they caught nothing. And when they caught nothing, Jesus walks up to them from the shore. And he calls out to them and he says, hey, hey, why don't you just throw the nets on the other side of the boat? That'll work. Think about how ridiculous that is. That would just tick me off if I was a fisherman. Well, you know, it's kind of like your laptop. You, you, you got this virus on the thing and it's corrupting all of your files. And, and then the longer you wait, the more you lose data. And somebody comes along, says, so just close the lid and open it. That'll work. That's how ridiculous that request is. But because it's Jesus, they all right, and they throw their nets. And, and, and their nets are so full with fish that they can barely contain it. It's so full. And you use this word in this phrase. You remember, he, he, he feeds them all. And they all have enough to eat. And no, In fact, they all have more than they need to eat. And when they go fishing, they have enough fish. But they have more than they can. In fact, their boat almost starts sinking. There's so many fish. And then another time, the disciples find themselves in the middle of the sea. And there's more storm than there is boat. And they're sinking. And they're fearing for their lives. And with two words, Jesus shifts weather systems. With two words, he changes the weather. But Philip is so consumed with the enormity of his problem that he doesn't actually see this as an opportunity. Children don't think like adults, do they? We're so practical, we're so logical, we're so... If you if you have if a mom and dad are struggling financially and it's not how they're going to make the mortgage payment and a a child overhears that kind of a conversation. They'll bring you their piggy bank. They hear, here, you can have this. There's 18 cents in there. But that's exactly what the child did. The child comes over and he sees that these people are hungry and they don't have food. I'll share my lunch with them. Five barley loaves and, 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 and two sardines. But the little boy shows us three things, three things that I, I, I hope that you take as encouragement, three things that if you will learn to step into the opportunity that God presents us in the, when the wheels come off the wagon, when you bump into a problem that you cannot fix, when, 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 when your, your situation is bigger than you are, you get to experience glory and presence and things that are bigger than you are. The first thing is um, proximity. The second thing is opportunity, and the third thing is generosity. This little kid gives us all of that and we still don't know his name, all right? Proximity, aside from giftedness, aside from ability and capacity, proximity matters. It matters on two levels. One is your proximity with Jesus or your proximity with God, and number two, your proximity with others. You see, God moments of opportunity happen when you are in proximity with God. And what I mean by that, I'm talking about when your heart is tuned to the heart of the Father. I, I, my, my parents are old and They've been doing devotions the way they've been doing devotions for a long time. And I never really got it. But they get up early and they read this little thing called the daily bread. And then they pray. And... But I'm getting old. And I've realized now more than ever before to center my heart in the morning. I don't do it the way they did it. But to center my heart early, to, to, to remind myself and to quiet myself and remember whose I am. Because if you can get that straight in your heart, you look at your day very differently. When you are distant from the Father's heart because you have your head so far up your own uh, uh, agenda. <laughs> then, 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 then you don't see what he's looking at. You just see what you're looking at. See, there are people that God just can't use. Not because they're not the right person, not because they're not gifted, not because, it's because they're never close enough to be invited into the moment. They are so distracted. They are so into themselves. And so the first thing is proximity to God matters. And the second thing is proximity to others. I think we have really, really have underestimated the importance of presence. I mean, being really, really present, being present in the moments of the day and being present with the people we are with. We, 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 we've just underestimated the, the power of showing up Have you ever noticed that we always think that the next moment's gonna be better than this moment, and so we're always in the next moment? Don't we do that? And the truth of the matter is you can only experience life in this moment. And the truth of the matter is that you can only be used by God in this moment, and yet we we are terrible at staying in this moment. But if you will look around yourself in this moment and be attuned to the needs of the people around you, you'd be surprised. How many of you have, have somebody pulls over because they got a flat tire and you drive by because you know that somebody else will what? Look after it. How, uh, uh, is that just me that does that? How many times have you, have you seen somebody in need, but you know what, it's across the street, can't really, somebody fell down over there, I, you know, somebody else will take care of it. You're just just not there in the moment. A couple of, in in 2015, I remember it was springtime, and my wife and I were seriously thinking of downsizing our house, because we bought our house because we had kids at home and things like that, and we're going to downsize to get us something small and easy to look after, and so we drove around Kelowna and checked out our options and looked at all the the financial pros and cons, and we hummed and hawed about it for four or five months. And then one two-minute conversation with my 80-year-old neighbor answered the question, made us realize we can't leave, we can't move. He shared how his wife's dementia is getting worse, shared how she forgets about the people she forgets she knows them, but the one, she knows us. And we realize that we can't leave. We can't leave. Who will look after them? Who will go to them in the hospital? Who? Will, I mean, the ambulance has been at their house three times this year. Who will go pick them up from the hospital? Who will do their driveway? Who will help them with their yard? Who will pick up anything they can't pick up? We can't go. And so we have been a part of their lives. And in the last couple of years, they have become like our parents. We love them. God, there's such a place in our hearts that have opened up for them. We cherish them. We just leaned into the moment. And God created a space in us, in our hearts for them, that we, we just didn't think that you could have for anybody but your folks. And we've experienced so many God moments with them like that. And sometimes we just get so caught up in our ownness, our own agendas, and our own schedules that we miss being present. We miss the power of proximity. Remember in John chapter um, one, where uh, John is describing what Jesus is like. And he said this, and he said, and the word became flesh, And dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father full of grace and truth. See, God sent his son to dwell among us. By the way, that's why God called you to Kelowna. To dwell among the people. And the son came and we ate with him. And we talked with him. And we touched him. And we listened to him, and we beheld his glory. You see, dwelling is about being intentionally invested in the people in your life. It's very different than blowing in, blowing up, and blowing out. It's very different. You know, dwelling is much messier than visiting, right? It's easy to buy somebody a, Give them your car. What's hard is sharing it with them, right? You will never share in someone's unique essence. You will never share in the beauty of their essence, in their treasure from a distance. You can't even do that by Skype. Skype. You, you, you have to dwell. And that's why the word became flesh. And he dwelt among us. You, you get into the trenches with people. And you go through the good. And you go through the bad. And you see it all. And you're still there. And so are they. That's what being uh, present in the moment is. So proximity to the Father. Proximity to each other. The second thing is opportunity. In verse five it says, when Jesus looked up and he saw this great crowd and he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? The reason he asked Philip And the reason Philip was invited into the conversation, not Peter, James, and John, is because Philip is from this region. He's one of the disciples who's from this area. He knows where to buy bread. And Jesus' Bible says he only asked them this question to test him because he had in mind, because he already had in mind what he was going to do. I love that. He already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus comes across the problem, and he he already has in mind what he's going to do. Jesus, you think your problem surprises him? You think your problem, he woke up one morning, whoa, whoa. Your problem didn't catch him by surprise. Your problem didn't, didn't catch him off guard. He already has in mind what he's going to do. And he was just giving Philip a chance to step into the miracle with him and appreciate and enjoy the miracle. So he said, what what, what would it take to feed these people? did Did you notice Philip's response to the question? You know what his response is? It would take too much. Eight months wages would just give everybody one bite too much. And then he goes to Andrew, and Andrew, you know, Andrew's so close to the answer. Andrew, we we got there. Well, this is the little kid, and and he has lunch. Then he says, but what is, how far will that go among so many? Had he just shut up in that moment, he could have been part of this miracle. All Philip and Andrew could see is how seriously under-resourced they were. You see, Jesus is asking Philip the same thing. He's saying, Philip, just give me something. Give me anything to work with and I will make this happen. Give me anything. It's it's, it's an invitation to step into an opportunity and become part of something that's bigger than you are. That's what the question's about see the scripture says this way that this thing that's going on here this is the way that god initiates an opportunity for us to 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 be part of something so igniting it actually merits us being alive on this planet see in hindsight the answer that jesus was looking for from philip when he says, "Philip, we got about fifteen thousand people here. How much bread's that going to take? What's that going to take to feed them?" And the answer he was looking for, the right answer, is this: Well, <laughs> that would take oh, a lot, like a lot, a lot of money, like a lot of fish, a lot of bread. Do uh, we could put wine with that? Like, tell me how far you want to go with this? But it would take a lot, okay. And, and, and so that yeah, would take a lot, and, and listen, I'll tell you what, but I'll give you what I got. I have a, a Snickers and a diet, because cause you're not yourself when you're hungry, right? And he says, I got the Snickers in my bag and I got, and I got a Diet Coke. You, I'll give it to you. And then you know what? Then you do the thing that you do so well. You go ahead, you do that thing that you specialize in. You take that thing. I've seen you do it with wine. I've seen you do it with fish. You do that thing and you do your whatever and and we'll feed them. What do you say? That was the answer he was looking for. I'll give you what I have. And by the way, Jesus, thanks that I get to be on the front row of this one. Now you go ahead. Go ahead and be amazing. That was the, the answer he was looking for. But Philip, and Andrew, God bless him, they didn't, they didn't see it. So it's a child who's even more under-resourced than they are that steps into the opportunity and he gives Jesus his lunch. See, you and I are just a lot like Philip and Andrew, aren't we? You know, while we, we were presented with a problem, and what do we do? We get lost in the problem. But let me tell you something. When Jesus is in the picture, when Jesus is in the picture, the problem is always, 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 always just an opportunity. When Jesus is in the picture, and you bump up into an enormous problem, he says, how are we gonna fix this? I don't know, it's bigger than me, I will give you what I've got. This is your specialty. I'm trusting you. What Jesus is looking for from you, the response that he can use, is he says, just give me something. Give me me a faith that says, Lord, I believe. Forgive my unbelief, but give me something. Give me one act of obedience in this direction and I will use it. Give me a small lunch and I'll feed 15,000 people with it see this this place we we got this place um, ten years ago, and there were thirty people that met in here, and the worship was terrible, and the preaching was pathetic and uh, and the sound wasn't great and We sat in the middle of the concrete, and we started to meet together and Here we are ten years later and what you are a part of tonight is just one of the ministries of this place. On a Sunday morning, we are packed to the rafters, and this little warehouse is just too small. I mean, we, we crammed so many kids into the Sunday school rooms that we could probably go to prison for that. We, we have no room for our children. we Blowing out, so we have no room there for all the ministries that run out of this little facility on a weekly basis. We have run out of room. Do you know that that there are three pastors on staff here, and and there is not one office, not one private office, to do counseling? So we use the nursery. We we have a problem. Pastor Chad uh, has. Maximized every nook and cranny of this room, of this, of this warehouse, to, its, to, 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 to utilize it well. Think about this. For us to get into a building that we need, actually just to facilitate what we have now, and a building that we need to actually facilitate growth, we would have to save $25,000 save, not make. I'm not sure how much money you brought tonight, but I'm pretty sure it's not gonna help that much. But it's $25,000 a month we would have to save for the next three and a half years, and then we might be able to come up with the down payment. Do you see what a problem we have? We, 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 we got five loaves and two fish, but you wanna know what else we have? Jesus is in the picture. Jesus, see, without Jesus, this is a problem. With Jesus, it is nothing more than an exciting opportunity for us to say, this is bigger than us. I'll bring you what we can bring you. Now, Thanks, because this is your specialty. This is what you do, And, and thanks for the front row seat. Now, go ahead, be amazing. Thank you, God. You see, our story and your story are the same. It is not about resources. It is about the focus of your trust. You can focus on the distance between where you are and what you want or what you need. And, 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 and focus is one of these things. It consumes you, by the way. Think about this. Focus is meditation. Focus is the magnifying glass of your soul. Have you ever taken a magnifying glass and focused on a spider? Well, you, the more you use it, the bigger the spider gets, right? The more you focus on your problem. The bigger your problem gets. You get nothing out of focusing on your problems. You get nothing out of focusing on what you don't have and what you're not. Or you can focus on Jesus. Because when He is in the picture, every problem is simply an exciting opportunity. So, what challenge are you facing? What struggle is bigger than you right now? Is it finances? Is it relationship? Is it a lack of relationship? Is it a physical need? See, if, you, if, you're, you're, you spend your, if your prayer life is about telling God, predominantly about telling God what you don't have, about what you need, about what your problem is, about the distance between what you need and, 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 and where you are, then you are missing out on the power of prayer. Because ultimately the power of prayer is sitting in his presence and listening to what he already has in mind to do. Listening to what he's already prepared to do. And you may not have all the details, but you know he can do it. And you know he will do it. Because the scriptures show us he did it again and again and again. Dustin, come on up. I'm going to land this. And so this little kid, he, he shows us that proximity matters. Keep your heart close to God. Keep your heart close to the people in your world. He showed us that opportunities are simply portals into something extraordinary. So, some, some of you, you're worried because your brothers or your sisters or your friends are running away from God and you can't stop them. You know what, stop focusing on the problem and recognize that Jesus is in the picture and begin to celebrate the fact that he has already established what he's going to do in that person's life. I think you need to intercede for them, absolutely, but not so much out of fear, but out of faith. So generosity is my last one. Generosity positions you to be used by God and sacrifices, the context is always the context for a miracle, okay? Some of you are just real cheap. And you know why you're so cheap? You're not just cheap with money, you're cheap with your time. You're selfish at the end of the day. There's another word for being cheap, it's just selfish. I'm selfish. And in that way, there are times, see, I think on some levels I'm really generous and other levels I'm just real cheap. So on some levels I'm giving in selfless and other levels of my life, I'm incredibly selfish. I'm not the guy that usually stops and pulls over, helps that person change their tire because they've got places to go and people to see. Any way you slice it, it's selfishness, right? I happened to marry a woman who's the antithesis of that. My wife, from the time I met her, is she just by her very nature and her gifts is poised constantly to let go of what she's doing and jump into somebody and help them. It drives me crazy. Because did I mention I have places to go and people to see? We were in Calgary and we were in downtown Calgary and we came out of. A, a meeting, or I think we were getting our passports or something, and and my wife walks by and and, and she notices that the meter expired, the parking meter, uh, and in Calgary a parking fine begins at forty bucks and goes to seventy five bucks, and so without and she does this so often, I just just get used to it. And she pulls out she, her purse and she gets a loonie. In fact, she gets a bunch of them because I'm sure she'll find other expired meters. She actually did that. And, 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 she, and she plugs the meter. And I'm going, really? You're going to do that all the way back to our car? She said, I just saved this person 40 bucks. It cost me $1 to save them 40. That's a good investment. And she got rid of the rest of her loonies between our, where we were and the car. She really is generous. God loves that stuff. God uses that stuff. I've watched her do it on just so many levels, and I think she's part of more miracles than we could ever imagine. Bill, Bill Johnson told this great story about a guy who drives through, goes through the Starbucks drive through and he, he, he's just getting his morning coffee, and, and, and he gets his morning coffee, and, and um, as, as he's getting ready to pay, he can hear the gal at the window repeating back the order to the person in the car behind him. And so instead of giving her a five, he gives her a 20. He says, I'll just pick up that person's coffee this morning. And he drives off. And, and when the person behind him comes through the drive-through and tries to pay, the, the little gal says, "You know that guy out there? He just he just paid for your, your breakfast and your coffee." She goes, "Isn't well, that nice, isn't that wonderful? Well, I'll pay for the person behind me." And she drives off, and the person behind her comes up and goes to pay, and the gal says, "Actually, that, that lady there that she she paid for your coffee." This went on in an unbroken chain at that Starbucks for six hours. For six hours. Can, can, can you see what a beautiful picture that is of bringing the kingdom of heaven to the earth and how, how your generosity shifts environments and presence? Okay, so I was so inspired by this story when I heard it uh, six months ago, eight months ago, or whatever, that at, at, at the Starbucks, uh, I, I went to do the exact same thing because I just thought it was a really cool thing, right? And so um, uh, I pay for my coffee. And I say, you know, I like to pay for the guy behind me. Only it wasn't a guy. It was suburban full of people behind me. And they just didn't order coffee. They all have a breakfast sandwich. I'm thinking, don't you eat at home? So if you're going to do this, make sure you know exactly what you're paying for. Not like me where I had to remortgage the house to pay for the suburban's breakfast. That actually happened. I don't want to talk about it, Chris. (laughs) So can you see how generosity makes room for a miracle? And this is God's invitation to you and me. And this is how invisible people change the world. And this is how God works in our lives. So I'm going to pray. And the struggle, the challenge that is bigger than you today sitting in your lap, the very thing that you're facing that overwhelms you. And the more you look at it, the more powerless you feel. I wonder if we could take that to Jesus this evening and say, Lord, you know what? It is bigger than I am. And I'm going to add my faith and my obedience to this thing. But Jesus, you know what? This is your specialty. It's what you do. And I thank you that, 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 that you've given me opportunity to be part of something bigger than I am because when God breaks through in your life you are now a cattle for breakthrough in everybody's life who comes to you with that same situation father we come to you and we are that little boy we're under resourced father we're under resourced to deal with our own personal problems Because you're in the picture, they are not problems, they're opportunities. Opportunities to experience the extraordinary. Opportunities to step into the extraordinary because you are an extraordinary God. And so, Father, we give you our pain. We give you our addiction. Father, we give you our our financial disasters. Father, we give you our relational brokenness. We give you our confusion. We can't see past it. And you ask Jesus, what would it take? Well, it would take you, Jesus. And so we give it to you. And we surrender it to you. And we invite you, Father, to do what we cannot do. And I thank you that you've been waiting for that invitation, Jesus. I thank you you've been waiting for that invitation. You say, just give me something, something. Well, we're going to surrender it to you tonight and invite you to be God, our healer, our comforter, our deliverer, our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: of a Savior, with the heart of a Father. You're all we need. And you're here with the hands of a Your name Every chain Will break I know everything